0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai,
1: there's joy in every journey. Any news today, Tito, at all? Dang, Rosie, (laughs) that's your job. This is the Rosie Report. The next round's on Rosie, and we'll read his credit card number here just a moment. Regular season roundup. Catch it, Rosie! Nicely done, Rosebud. Now, here's Jim Rosenhouse.
2: Here comes the pitch.
1: Swung on and hammered. That one's hit high and deep to right. Home run, Hernandez. And the Indians are back in front. 5-4. A new career high in home runs for Cesar Hernandez as that is number 16, and it puts the Indians back in front. And that home run from Cesar Hernandez gave the Indians a 5-4 win in Houston on Wednesday night. Tribe completes the road swing with a 3-3 three and three trip to Oakland and Houston. Jim Rosenhouse welcoming you in to another edition of the Rosie Report regular season roundup episode number 60. And if you like to play the uniform game, number 60s in Indians history, kind of slim pickings. The most recent to wear that number, Johnny Peralta, when he first came up with the Indians back in 2003. Some others include Bill Selby and Brian Tallett, and that's about it. Only five players in the history of the Cleveland Indians have worn number 60. So we're off and running with episode number 60 of the Rosie Report, regular season roundup, big win for the Tribe in Houston, 5-4 Wednesday night. After the game, Terry Francona talked about it.
3: So, you know, what, uh, what did Eli do uh, to get so deep, to get as deep in the game as he got? You know, he really pitched. I mean, because, you know, he had faced them before, and they knew he had a good changeup. But he threw a slider better. He used his fastball. He probably went to the well one too many times with the changeup for the for the second home run. But I just felt, and I felt bad, you know. Since as as I go get him, we give up two runs. But I just felt like the highest he had been with us, I think, is 86. He was near an 80, you we know, going around that lineup for the third time. I just thought, you know what? Let's let's turn it over to our bullpen. It didn't work out the way I, I had drawn it up but I thought the kid did a really good job. Um, what do you think of Ernie Clement? What is he, not only the hit tonight, but just what he's done on this whole road trip and helping you guys out filling in. Yeah, he's, you know, again, we're, we're missing Hosey, and, you know, it's such a big hole for us. And then the guy that replaces him swings the swings the most potent bat. Um, good for him, good for us. But, um, I mean, you know, I, when he stays short and direct – He's got that good line drive swing and it showed tonight. what you think of Clause in the eighth inning, what he was able to do the top of their order? Again, you're you know, you're facing the the top to the middle of the order. That's no easy task for anybody. And he did a really good job, as did Karen Jack. I think tonight you started five of your nine guys in your starting lineup. We're all in Columbus at some point today. Just what does that say about the system and what you guys are trying to do right now to get through this season? You know, I mean, we're trying to, we're trying our ass off to compete and it's hard against some of these teams, but I was proud of our guys tonight. I mean, it. you know, nothing's easy, but, you know, we're going to get on that plane, feel a little better about ourselves than we did a couple of days ago. So good, good, good for us. I think tonight you, um, you tied Mike Hargrove and Indians wins and he's, and you can avoid it, but these questions are going to be here for the next, probably the rest of the year, just Your thoughts on Mike Hargrove and getting to that point? You know, I actually didn't know. Somebody had brought it up a couple weeks ago, which, um, you know what? The only thing I will say is it gives me a reason to say something about Grover. One, to be included in in his company, I'm honored. And two, he might be the single worst golfing partner I've ever had in my entire life and put that one first, okay? You got it. <laughs> Make sure you add the second one too. <laughs> you better you got it. Tito, <laughs> you know, how, how important has, has Hernandez's power been to you guys, uh, his ability to, you know, drive the ball out of the park? Yeah, I mean his batting average is lower than he's accustomed to, but he's also sitting on 16 home runs and they've been, a lot of them have been big ones. So it's certainly been helpful. He's a good. He's a he's a good pro. He shows up every day.
1: And one of the big hitters in the game on Wednesday night was Ernie Clement, who had a big game. And he shared his post game thoughts.
3: Ernie, what are you thinking there in, in that one inning after you know they load the bases, the, the two guys in front of you strike out.
4: Yeah, I was I was trying to see a pitch up in the zone. Uh, I was trying to see a. Honestly, I was being a little bit uh, selective, and and you know, I wanted to hunt out a slider. It seemed like he had kind of fallen in love with that pitch um, throughout the inning. And, you know, I knew I was going to get at least one. So I just, you know, did my best not to miss it. Ernie, what's it do for you guys to get a win tonight, just to get that right before you head back home and to solidify that and not have a a sweep of the series? Yeah, it's huge. Uh, I mean, those are two really good teams that we, you know, squeaked out a 3-3 and record against on the road. so. Um, it'll be really good to go back home and, and you know, battle it out there, but it was, it was definitely big to, uh, to get a couple of wins on the road.
3: How do you with uh, Jose out and you playing third, does that put any extra pressure on you, or how do you, how do you deal with that?
4: No, not at all. Um, I mean, he's unbelievable, and, and he's definitely missed when he's not in our lineup. But, um, you know, everybody kind of told me to just be myself and, and go out there and not, try not to do too much. Um, and, you know, I'm just trying to stay within myself and help these guys win uh, because, you know, at the end of the day, that's my job uh, is to kind of fill in and, and help when, when necessary. So, you know, whenever wherever they need me, whenever they need me, I'll be ready and, you know, hopefully Hosey can get back uh, out there soon.
2: Ernie, is it a little strange just that because of the injuries and whatnot, it seems like most of the guys in the batting order or guys you played with
4: in Columbus too, does that make everybody a little bit more comfortable or what's it like? Yeah, it's actually really fun, um, you know, to see Oscar doing really well and to see to see Daniel Johnson start to swing a little bit. It's, it's, it's really cool because those are the guys that, you know, I came up with and, um, you know, I've played a lot of games with those guys. So and I, I know what they can do and, and to see them start to, to really swing it and, and, you know, help these guys win also. it's It's been super fun and, you know, I, I believe in them and, you know, I, I think they're going to continue to do their job moving forward.
1: Now, before the game in Houston, we had a chance to visit with Steve Sparks, one of the radio voices for the Houston Astros, and a former teammate, longtime major leaguer, and former teammate of Tim Belcher, who joined us on the radio side this trip, filling in for Tom Hamilton. Those two were teammates with the Anaheim Angels back in 1999, and we relived a moment of pranks set off by a bench-clearing brawl in the 1999 season in a series in Cleveland. And uh, here's how it went. Let's uh, let's listen in to Steve and Tim. Welcome back to Indians Warm-Up, and we have a special interview for today's game featuring Steve Sparks, radio voice for the Houston Astros, and our own Tim Belcher who's been on this trip with us. And we take you back to 1999, Steve, you were with the, were they the Anaheim Angels then? The California Angels? What were they? Anaheim
2: Angels with those special periwinkle uniforms that uh, just stood the test of time. I mean, everybody still talks about those uniforms. And one of your teammates was Tim Belcher, was it not? That's right. So Tim and I were uh, teammates just for that one year, but very many lasting memories uh, with Tim as a teammate. And uh, we've just been kind of going through some of those stories today. And uh, he's trying to refute a couple of them. Uh, but I, I hold firm that they're very true. Tim, can you
1: confirm that you were a teammate of Steve Sparks in 1999 with the Angels? I can confirm that I was a teammate, yes. <laughs> okay, so let's go to a game at <laughs> Progressive Field, 1999. The Indians still with the some Jake. some uh, pretty good, yes, the Jacobs Field at that time. Uh, the Indians still with some pretty good teams. There was an incident. Yeah. Late in the game, Uh, what
2: happened with David Justice, Troy Percival, uh, a a conflict? Right, of course, David Justice was with the Indians that year. Uh, Troy Percival was the closer for the Angels in 1999 and blew a save uh, one game, and it was an emotional uh, type of game. I think both teams were in contention at the time. And after he blew the save, the next batter was David Justice. Percival hit him with a 99 mile per hour fastball. And Justice, of course, charged the mound, th- and there was a big brawl on the field. So that's how this story started with that. Uh, Troy Percival became basically public enemy number one in Cleveland, especially after the scathing articles in the newspaper the next day. And uh, everybody was ready to come out and boo Troy Percival the next day for sure. So in your mind what's Here's the, where the what
0: is
1: the best course of action the next day knowing that Troy Percival is public enemy number 1 in Cleveland what goes through your mind to to make sure that the next day is is a good day
2: well, what goes through my mind more than anything else is that a lot of closers especially back in those days didn't come out to the field until probably the 6th or 7th inning you know they would stay back in, in the clubhouse so they really weren't Too engaged with their uniform top, let's say, uh, at that part of the day. So I decided since Troy wasn't going to use his uniform anyway, I'd go ahead and, and switch his with Tim Belchers. So Tim wore Troy Percival's uniform
1: the day that Troy is public enemy number one in Cleveland.
2: That's right. So, uh, we went outside for the, the national anthem before the, the ball game and I made sure that I was standing, uh, next to Belch, uh, for the National Anthem, just because I I just wanted to see some of the reactions. So he didn't know that he was wearing uh, Percival's uniform. And of course, during the course of the National Anthem, there was a lot of fans behind uh, the Anaheim Angels dugout screaming and and saying uh, some unkind words toward Tim, uh, calling him a a different name. And he 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 was puzzled and getting a little fumed as Tim does from time to time. And I thought he was going to charge somebody in the stands. And then he reached his, his hand on his shoulder and, and saw the, the name on his back and, and saw the P and the E on the back of the uniform realized it didn't say Belcher. And realize he had been had that he was not in fact wearing his own uniform.
1: Can you confirm all of this, Tim? And and how bad was the verbal abuse you were getting from Cleveland fans? I
0: think it was pretty bad, actually. Um, and yeah, I can confirm it now. He's refreshed my memory today on it. But
1: um, it's a good stunt, good trip, good trick to pull on somebody else. So, being a good teammate, uh, you're probably wondering, well, who would have done that? Uh, how quickly were you able to determine who would have pulled a stunt like that? three seconds four (laughs) seconds tops (laughs) and what was your next course of action (laughs) to go to his
0: locker and do some uh do some locker room damage of my own (laughs) which included scissors (laughs) yeah you know and I couldn't really recall that that part exactly but uh he refreshed my memory on it today I guess I cut up some of his clothes was it your street clothes or
1: your uniform street Street clothes Uh, so you get back to your locker where were you at all
2: surprised that Tim figured it out that quickly I was not surprised. Uh, I was a little myth that he wouldn't inquire to make sure it was me uh, that had done it. You know, he just just went ahead and assumed that uh, I was the culprit. But he went in and took scissors to both uh, my slacks and my my top. And luckily, he didn't do damage to my shoes. So what I wore back to the hotel after the game were uh, the shorts uh, that were issued to the players, uh, uh, a T-shirt. They said Anaheim Angels on it and some loafers. It was a good look. looked like I was going to cut my lawn when I was 65 years old. Were you fined by the ball club for a lack of of wearing the proper
1: road attire? I think they felt sorry for me. They felt like I was fined enough. Did you feel better about things after that? Oh, I felt tremendous about it, yeah.
0: For him to be a little bit more embarrassed than
1: me at that point on that walk back to the hotel, absolutely. There it is, folks, a look behind the curtain at the 1999 Anaheim Angels who had quite a night in Cleveland. Stay tuned. More to come after this. And that's it. That'll do it for this edition of the Rosie Report. As always, thanks to Bart Swain, Corpberry, Trip, Austin, Controllus for all of their help in keeping our podcast going each Monday through Friday. We'll catch you next time. This is Jim Rosenhouse thanking you for listening and downloading the Rosie Report.
3: This has been the Rosie Report.